following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K State athletics. It's game time. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages, it's another Friday, and we're now just 22 days away from K-State football. September 3rd, Bill Snyder Family Stadium taking on the South Dakota Coyotes. Welcome into the game. My name is Mitch Fortner with Troy Coverdale, and Travion Berklin is with us. I see he's wearing a Cloud Thunderbirds t-shirt representing uh, Cloud County Community College. I have... Like two T-shirts still from my college days, and both were made by the radio station. See, they saved a radio station shirt for me, but I just never got it. One of them was about uh, Cloud County football has been undefeated since like 1960-something. It's because Cloud County's never right. had a football team. Right. <laughs> they have just about everything else now. They have soccer, which has won a national championship while I was there. I called the national championship game. Uh, they have wrestling now. They just put that in not too long ago. Basketball, of course. Basketball, I think, won a national championship on the girls' side uh, many years ago. But um, I'm also a little too fat now for those T-shirts. <laughs> I used to be in smalls, if you can believe that. That's what uh, that's what uh, T-shirt blankets are for. T-shirt blankets? Mm-hmm. Quilts, basically. Oh, quilts. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I, I understand what you said. Okay, make a, you know, make mm-hmm. a quilt out of the t-shirts, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, an aunt of mine did that recently with my uh, grandma's old t-shirts after she passed away, made a quilt, uh, quilts for uh, all the granddaughters. Um, so to kick off the show, you know, I this is going to be my only segment on the show today because uh, just, I mean, literally just minutes ago, got some uh, pretty bad news. Uh, my grandpa just passed away. Um I've been saving a story all week, really. I was wanting to talk about um, earlier this week. I had to call nine one one, and I thought there was a gas leak in my apartment uh, because there had just been some new work done. I had a new hot water heater put in my duplex, and I I thought maybe that smell had been from that work, but I didn't know enough about it. I just kind of assumed though, because I knew there'd be. Mm-hmm. Probably something related to that. And so I start opening up windows, open up doors to see if I can just start getting that smell out of there. And it wasn't going away. As a matter of fact, it was getting stronger. I was like, I can still smell it. I'm getting a really bad headache. And it was like nine at night. So I was like, I got to do something about this. And I, I talked to my neighbors. They were they totally understood. They were cool about it. I was like, we need to get out. I'm smelling gas. And I called 911. And I think what we expect when we call 911 i mean it's you know nobody ever wants to have to call 911 but uh i was expecting 911 what's your emergency i think that's a cliche mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. Uh, the opening and no they first thing was asked was the uh, address i was like uh, you know i gave the address and phone number and uh, then started stating the emergency what was going on it's like hey i'm smelling gas and i tell you what uh Manhattan Fire Department didn't take too long to respond. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The uh, crew, uh, shout to the crew there on uh, Kimball and Denison, responded to the call. And uh, I mean, it was two minutes after I called, I could hear the sirens. I was like, oh boy, here comes the Calvary. <laughs> and my girlfriend, Lindsay, I mean, her dad has been 
he's been a, I think he's been like a fire chief. He has worked with like the state of Kansas when it comes to any disaster relief. He's the one in charge, and she's like, I'm going to tell my dad about this, and we're going to laugh and right. laugh and laugh. I was like, hey, like, this is better to be safe than sorry. True. You know? Uh, and that was, it, I, that was the first time I've ever called 911, other than when I was four years old, and I called it up just because I had heard the number 911 before. I was like, oh, what's that all about? Oops. Have you guys ever had to call 911? No. I did two weeks ago at the store. Really? Because a lady slipped, slipped in the store. Oops. So I had to call the EMT to help her out, pretty much. Yeah, there was an EMT there, just kind of checked me out. He's Mm -hmm. like, well, you said you're fine. We got to ask you, though, do you want to go to the hospital? I was like, no, I'm good. Just a little headache. And uh, so I had to sign something on an iPad, and off they went. And and then uh, the uh, firefighters were like, well, you don't have any smoke detectors in here. What's going on? I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe my landlord doesn't have me up to code. <gasps> and so oh, that's boy. being taken care of, and a plumber has to come back in on Monday. It's been a whole lot of fun dealing with that. Um, what did they end up finding out? What was there the... was no leak. Okay. It was just from the, the work, work that was done. I I don't know what all needed to be done, like run the hot water for a while or something. I, I don't know enough about that stuff to give you the the precise answer. Okay. But it's a lot better now. Like, Good. I, I don't have any more Good. headaches. It doesn't smell like natural gas, so like the rotten egg smell mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, so it's all good now. But uh, uh, my grandpa, who just passed away, had been he, – he, he and my grandma were married for 60 years. Hmm. He was originally from San Antonio, Texas. His name is Rudy Bessa. Rudolfo is his real first name. And served at Fort Riley. And that's how he met my grandma. My grandma wasn't working at Fort Riley yet. But I, I think she was a waitress at the time or something like that. I don't know the full story. But they had met. And he served in the Army. And uh, after the Army, he worked at McCall's. And anybody who's worked at McCall's over the years, up until maybe the last 10 years, you probably know the name because he worked for many years at McCall's. And... Uh, he worked on the machines. Mm-hmm. Like, he did maintenance on the machines. Um, but he, he's also uh, Mexican. Mm-hmm. And I heard stories of, like, when they first became couples, they were, you know, starting to live together. And they lived, um, like, around Pierre Street. They're, like, the southern portion of Manhattan, Pierre, Yuma, mm-hmm. in that area. And it was hard for them to get a place there for a while because he was Mexican. Landlords, when they found out that he wasn't white, uh, they got kicked out of a couple of places. And then after a while of living in in a rental or whatever, they decided to build a house on the east side of town. Like on, uh, I'm not going to give the exact road, of course, but um, you know, like where that Dara's is as you're going out of town on 24, it's in that area. Mm -hmm. And they ended up building a house out there. And they lived out there for decades. And that's a house where spent every single Christmas of my life, other than the one in 2013 when I went with Bill Williams to the um, Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. We left on New Year, or I'm sorry, on Christmas Eve and got there Christmas Day. And somehow we found the one restaurant that was open on Christmas Day in Phoenix, Arizona, to go eat 
uh, Shrimp Scampi with Matt Walters and uh, Wyatt Thompson and, and their wives. <laughs> but um, my grandma, she passed away a couple of years ago. She was famous for, and I mentioned this so many times on the air, uh, on the morning show, because she had very famous mac and cheese. Her mac and cheese was a staple for Thanksgiving and Christmas. But there was, a, there was a, a special ingredient that she would use in her mac and cheese. And I got a lot of, uh, maybe not backlash, but maybe like poke fun a little bit at it because it is a little bit weird. She would put a pinch of mustard in her mac and cheese. And somehow, some way, back in the day, because she always made everything from scratch, a hell of a cook. My grandma was fantastic in the kitchen. Everything was like gravy. Thanksgiving Day gravy, that was always made from scratch. The rolls we had at Thanksgiving was made from scratch. And whenever she'd make Mexican food, my God, was it, it was so good. And my, my aunt and uncle, uh, aunts and uncles, my parents have found ways to make it very similar. And it is, it's so good. But uh, th- that pinch of mustard, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people think it's weird. But the way she did it, she just had a way of making it work. My grandpa wasn't a cook at all, but I have heard stories many times of my uncles, my dad, and my grandpa getting drunk, roasting hogs, and uh, and just having a party all the time and having a great time. I never really got to see that side of my grandpa. The side of my grandpa I knew was a very, a very loving man, a very handy man who always loved doing stuff around the house. He would have always helped you out. He was also really into exercising. Up until maybe the last five years of his life, he could be seen at the mall walking Mm -hmm. or riding his bike around uh, like the railroad tracks there south of Highway 24 as you're heading out of town in that area. was very active. And then he was diagnosed with not only cancer, was diagnosed with dementia. Um, I think he fought the cancer for a while. That I don't think that really played a factor in his death. The dementia did, and it's funny how dementia works. I don't really know. I'm not. I'm a. I'm a part time doctor here on the show, uh, but dementia is not really right. in my expertise or anything. But it it kind of happened in two phases, because my grandpa went from a guy who was very active, exercised, healthy, to not being that person, not talking as much, just wanted to sit and watch TV, watch the news, watch a game, or watch uh, Law and Order. Uh, but uh, you know, he he still he still remembered who I was. He remembered my sister, remember my cousins who 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 were around. Didn't really remember the ones that didn't come around too often, but a lot of them really did. And then the other part of dementia, the sec- the next phase was what just recently happened. Um, really declined, went downhill, and uh, wasn't talking as much. And the last time I saw him was this last weekend. And he was doing what he normally did. He would sit on the couch, watch TV, get up during lunch, go eat a slice of pizza and go sit back down, have some coffee, nap. Uh, but he wasn't talking as much. But the decline that happened in that last week, it was so sudden. But what a great man he was. Um, 
my dad was really close to him, of course. Uh, my dad would invite him up to – and my aunt. My aunt did an amazing job watching him over the last few years after my grandma passed away. Uh, shout out to my Aunt Brenda, who, who's done a phenomenal job, done everything to help him out. Um, but uh, I don't have any grandparents left, unfortunately. Been there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, about 20 years ago and lost the three of mine that were alive uh, within a span of five years. I was very blessed to have done an interview with my mom's parents, one that I still have recorded. I want to go back, clean up a little more one of these days. But I've been there, man. I know what you're going through right now. This is tough. He, uh, like I said, he is Mexican. And um, there is a bottle of tequila. I don't know the brand, but it is Mexican tequila. It's been in the kitchen, unopened, since I've been alive. And I believe we've been saving it until he passed away. Mm. And it, it is legit tequila with a worm in the bottom, in the bottle, just sitting there on the bottom. I, have you ever seen one of those before? Yes, I have. Yeah. I doubt Travion has. But uh, it's it's been sitting in the kitchen on like a, uh, it's almost like a wine rack. It's like a rack that holds glasses, maybe a bottle of wine, but it's Instead of a bottle of wine, it's a bottle of tequila, <laughs> golden tequila. It's not mez. I don't think it's mezcal, but so um, and I, I, it still has the price tag on it, and it's from the '80s. Oh my! It's it's a little dusty, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe my uncle Greg will make the decision to uh, open that tonight. Well aged, worth a toast. Well, I think it's uh, since it's not. I don't think it's it's. Technically not aging, right? I, I don't know enough about that yeah. to say if it because you know not in the. Uh, it's not. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to try like try and act <laughs> like I'm an expert on the way tequila is made or anything, but uh, yeah, that's. Uh, but no, it's. Uh, it's really unfortunate. It really is, and I think uh, the family traditions now are going to probably change a little bit now that. He has passed because I got family now that have moved out to Colorado, and I'm sure my aunt's going to go out there. We just kind of all branched out over the years, but uh, yeah, it's tough. It really is. So, with that being said, um, I mean, I, I've been lucky as well that like my grandparents, a lot of my family are my dad's side of the family are mostly here in Manhattan, or they have been for most of my life. So, like, family reunions were easy mm -hmm. because we didn't have to go far. Heck, I, I think, other than my Uncle Greg, who's lived in Kansas City, other than a few years in Australia, has been living in Kansas City, it's been us. Like, my family, my parents, my sister, and I, who lived in Morganville, we lived the furthest away. We had to do most of the driving to get to the family reunions. But that's, you know, 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. So we've all been really close. And, man, I've had, I had an uncle, unfortunately, pass away. He had a a heart attack and fell from a ladder after having a heart attack, but he still, even though there was brain damage done, uh, he still, he stayed alive for another five years and then unfortunately passed away. Um, but man, the, the memories of him, my grandpa, my dad still being around. I remember all the bonfires we used to have, the family gatherings, man, they were so much fun when everybody, you know, when everybody was drinking and having, having some, you know, 
having some beers and stuff around a bonfire. Those were the best memories, man. They were the best memories. And so I, I still think about those every, maybe not every day, but all the time. I think back to those days as a kid and being at those family reunions and just having a good time with cousins. And mm-hmm. the parents would just let us go run around, do whatever they we wanted while they just had a good time with uh, all the aunts and uncles and grandparents. You want a good chuckle over, Go over a family story? Go ahead. I'd love to. Um, my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary came up in 82, if memory serves me correctly. And my parents bought the wine glasses for the celebration in bulk. They were kind of a pain in the keister because you had to snap them together. So there was this whole bunch of boxes of these wine glasses to put together the ladies at the parish in tipton rinsed every single one of those wine glasses when they were done and returned them to the family it was only recently as in the last three years i think that we finally used the last of those wine glasses (laughs) that's how long they lasted just wow you know a funny memory but from an event where, you know, that was family involved because it was the 50th anniversary. The ladies in the parish, of course, a big part of my grandparents' family, if you will. And, and uh, you know, you can't help but chuckle at stories like that. Those are the memories. Those are the things that are going to that are going to be coming out here in the next few days for you. Yeah. I'd imagine, yeah, we're going to have a, you know, my parents are coming back to town tomorrow. They actually... My parents had actually just left town a little while before he passed and then got the news right as they got home. Mm-hmm. So they decided we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to start you know, planning for the funeral and all that. So I'm sure we're going to hear some uh, pretty good stories of the hell they used to raise. Because I've heard from my dad and some of his friends of when they used to all run around together because they were – my dad graduated from Manhattan High in 77, and he had friends from like a year before that, some years after that. My my uncle, uh, Juan Bessa, who passed away, was also my dad's age, and uh, oh my God. I, I wish if people would oblige, I would have my dad on just to share some of those wild stories they used to have, like from drinking to going out to bar, like, you know, just having a good time with friends. And just acting wild in the seventies, I, I I would love because they are outrageous stories, but they're not mine to tell, right? So uh, I, I would love to do that sometime. Have my dad on and and share some awesome stories. Even if you don't, that's where sitting down and doing the recording. Oh my god, yeah, like do a, I could do a podcast absolutely of that stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, they are let me tell you, they are types of stories that I think anybody would just enjoy hearing. Like, sure, I, I've talked about the podcast "Are You Garbage" on here before. Mm-hmm. It's my favorite. It's just it's comedians telling stories about their lives and their life experiences, how they grew up. Like their stories are so outrageous, like anybody could enjoy it and think of it as interesting or funny. These are those kind of stories. Uh, just growing up here in Manhattan, you know. I've heard stories from going to Vista. There used to be like a bar outside of town or something that they would go to, like a country bar or something. I don't remember those kind of details, but they're really good. But uh, So here's the situation. I'm going to take off. Uh, I'm going to go to my grandpa's house, see my family. 
Uh, Troy's going to take over along with Travion. We do have a lot of stuff ahead, including at 510, we're going to start our uh, Big 12 football preview, where we sit down with somebody representing every school program across the Big 12 when it comes to football and preview those teams. And at 510, we're going to preview the Big 12 champs from last year, the Baylor Bears with Ashley Hodge. From Sikkim 365, we're also going to hear, and we've been previewing this for a couple of days, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we have. Um, Thad Ward, wide receiver coach, is going to be coming up here in just a few moments. In the second hour, offensive line coach Connor Riley. Uh, Troy, I appreciate you stepping Glad up to. And, and taking over. Glad to. Understand it completely. Been there. Understand. And you know, my heart goes out to you and, and yours. That. And and. Uh, it'll be it'll be a long weekend. I know that. Well, in those listening, I I appreciate you. Let me talk about that. Let me talk about my family and about my grandpa and who meant a lot to all of us. And I mean, talk about people who have lived in this area most of their lives. Mm-hmm. And my grandpa, like I said, originally came from San Antonio. Um, last time I was, I, the only time I've been in San Antonio was like five or six years ago. And I got to go see some of that family and they are, they're awesome, awesome people. And so uh, I'm hoping to get to see them mm-hmm. here in a couple of days and maybe hear some more of those stories and stories I haven't heard before. That would be awesome. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna get out of here. Troy and Travion going to take over. The game continues next. We continue on the game for a Friday afternoon. Troy and Travion in with you, fresh off our big win yesterday at do they know it? Right. I kind of felt like this morning was the karma for that, though. I was mistake prone, and it's a good thing you're on the board and not me this afternoon. I'll put it that way. Right. The, the way the day went. So It's been a weird day, I think. Yeah. It, it's been all over yeah, the place. Yeah. I think that's a good way of putting it. As Twitter implodes, but that's a whole other matter in and of itself. It's like, always like, imploding. Well, it, more so today. It's like something actually happened newsworthy, and you know, boom, there it goes. Right. So, K State football practices getting geared up, of course, this week. We heard on Monday from head coach Chris Kleiman uh, about the early moments of practice, if you will. And as this week went on, you added pads to the mix and some different things going on. We had the opportunity at midweek Wednesday to check in with uh, the offensive coaches. And Thad Ward, the wide receivers coach, was among those speaking with the media on Wednesday and taking the time to answer some questions. What's your overall view of the receivers? Overall re- review of the receivers, uh, we're getting better every day. It's exciting to watch the guys uh, fly around, uh, the want to, to to improve every single day uh, from top down, uh, from the Cade Warners, uh, teaching the young guys, being the leader of our group, Malik, Phil. Uh, those guys have really come in and set the example. And um, we're just getting better every single day. It was a good day today. What can you say about RJ? RJ, just since the spring has really come on, and uh, it's showing up right now. He's a hard worker. He's a dependable guy. Um, you know, he, he just keeps growing every single day. And, and, and I want to just continue to coach him and see how far we can go. But um, he's been a joy to coach. Real cerebral kid, uh, tough kid. Um, and I want to continue to see how far he can go. Happy about him. 
You're pretty excited about what you saw from, from Malik in the spring. How has he kind of continued to evolve and get better? Well, just like I said earlier, the want to, right? The want to to come in and meet with me in one-on-one -on -one sessions and, and, and things like that. But he's just getting better on the little details, the final details. Understands the offense, understands the pitchers. Now let's really crisp up and, and tighten up your technique. And so those are the things we're working with him on a day-to-day -day basis, or just uh, fine-tuning his skill level. I would say the latter probably expand, and every day, you know, like like you see, guys are actually competing for bigger roles, right? Every last one of them, you know, whether it's uh, two receivers, three receivers, four receivers, whatever the role is, uh, they're competing for different roles, and whether you're just catching screens or uh, getting them, uh, you know, deep balls or whatever it may be, we're just competing every single day. Last year, obviously this being your first year, you kind of envision that same thing when uh, camp breaks? The best players play, obviously, uh, but play the most, right? And if you can play and you can contribute, you're going to have an opportunity to come out here and play. If you're not one of those guys, uh, you know, obviously the latter. We kind of know who's up here. Who are some of the younger guys who stood out to you? RJ's still a young guy, right? RJ's a young guy. He's developing, uh, I think, XL, uh, Xavier Lord. He's had a productive camp as well. Uh, a guy by the name of Jaden Jackson, who's right now developing and learning right now in our offense. Um, uh, you know, those are the guys right now, the younger guys who've come in right now and, and competing right now. Where has Phillip Brooks made the, the most growth in his game? Say that one more time. Where has Phillip Brooks made the most growth in his game? Technique. Technique, man. He, he's been really impressive over the last seven practices. Really impressive. Um, uh, and, and I would say just his technique and, you know, his every day in the meeting, you know, if you guys were in there, he's in there taking notes, asking great questions. And he comes in and not only takes the notes, but he does it on the practice field as well. And it's just, just, go ahead. Go ahead, finish. <laughs> no, just his willing, willingness to, to develop as a player every uh, single day. Deuce was your leading receiver as far as catches last year out of the backfield, but does that does that help create more opportunities? The fact that he's such a weapon out of the backfield and that stuff. Absolutely, that, that's that's a sign of a good coach. Get the ball to twenty-two, right? Stood out in the passing game, other than Deuce. I think all of them have played a role over the last seven days. Uh, whether it was uh, Frias, Anthony, um, and 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 some of those other guys, but those uh, I know you're trying to get for probably a depth deal, but. Um, no, all of them have played a role as far as catching the ball um, uh, and going forward. So. Now that you've kind of been here, Coach, and, and you've kind of seen everybody back fully healthy here in fall camp, what have your impressions have been about the overall roster as a whole? First and foremost, overall roster. First thing I would say is our culture, right? you at other places, uh, different schools. You come in here, man, this culture is set, right? These guys are early. Um, they're prepared when they come into your meetings. They're eager to learn. Our locker room is, is second to none. That's the first thing I would say about the culture. These guys care about each other, their family. Um, you don't always get that everywhere you go. It, it sounds good, but it's not like that everywhere you go. And so it's a real brotherhood. It's a real family amongst the players and the coaches. And then you can see how hard our guys work for each other and, and the coaches. So I would just say that part, uh, which is a very important piece. So you mentioned the running back catches the past two years. Is it a point of emphasis for you to have wide receivers more involved in the Absolutely. That's, that's, a, that's our role, right? That's a big part of what we do. Uh, we're competitive. 
Uh, we want the ball. If you don't, really, I mean, you play receiver. But we're going to be a big part of catching the balls. Uh, we're going to be a big part of uh, run blocking. We're going to be a big part of the offense in general. Again, that's uh, wide receivers coach Thad Ward entering his first season at K-State. And that last answer and the question ahead of it really stood out to me in that conversation beyond, of course, the point about you know getting the ball to 2022 or I should say 222 is you know good coaching the the point that stood out to me the most there is that ability to increase possessions where you're utilizing wide receivers that has been a big missing part of K-State's game last year specifically but as you look towards this campaign the push to maybe get those guys more involved and, in some ways, utilizing Deuce Vaughn in a wide-out role more than at running back in given opportunities. That's what I'm looking forward to uh, because you have to have a bit better balance, I think, than what we have seen in spreading the ball around. Uh, You can't always expect to go with uh, quarterback keep uh, quarterback handoff to Deuce and then look for the tight end to get you the first down. And I have felt like that that has been uh, too much of the offense. Deuce, not necessarily, but but quarterback option has been too much of the offense in between tackles for too long. And we haven't done a good job or seen a good job done in spreading the ball to the wide receivers over the past couple of years. So that's where I look for a a bit of a difference in how Colin Klein calls a game as the new offensive coordinator. And Ward, of course, now in his first season, it will be interesting to see how those two mesh and what we can look forward to out of that wide receiver core. One of the things that took place last night surrounding Major League Baseball And it unfortunately doesn't look like they're going to do it again next year. It may come back at another point. But we saw the Field of Dreams game take place last night in Dyersville, Iowa. I want to talk on that when we continue. This is the game on News Radio KMAN. It may not have been the best matchup. Given that, well, the Reds are by far and away an afterthought and the Cubs had the fire sale at the trading deadline. But the fact remains is that last night's Field of Dreams effort in Dyersville was a pretty good ball game when it was all said and done. Just because the atmosphere is what it is at Dyersville and Field of Dreams. Now, I never have personally been able to make that visit yet. I think Monica and I need to put that on the baseball trip list, of which we've got a few items on that list. Cooperstown among them. Got to do the sidetrack, though, into New York and see shows on Broadway. I I went to Yankee Stadium just to see the outside. I don't know like if they were allowing tours when I was there, but I just was like looking around and it's huge. New Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I that's still a disappointment to me that I never got to old Yankee right. Stadium. Right. I I would have liked to have 
gone through Monument Park as it was at old Yankee Stadium. I would have loved to have gone to the point where George Brett hit his home run in 80 that put the Royals into the World Series. Right. (laughs) Not that they'd mark it anywhere there. I'd have to do some digging and find out exactly the marking spot. But, yeah. Just special Kansas things. Yeah, exactly. See, it's kind of like at at, uh, in the old days of Mile High Stadium, they had a orange seat in the midst of the blue in uh, in one level because it was where the longest home run in uh, minor league baseball was hit at one point. You know, those types of things or the purple row that they have at uh, at Coors Field, which is exactly one mile above sea level. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. Huh. So, you know, I, I, I wanted to go into, the, into Yankee Stadium and just leave a marker there for, for George Brett's home run off Goose Gossage. Right. Yeah. Not that they would have appreciated, but anyway. So Dyersville is definitely on the list of places, though, that, that we need to get. What gets me, though, about this setup is that it's only 8,000 tickets allowed, 8,000 fans. That is smaller than some of the college fields that are in play yeah, at the Division One level. Tiny. It is when it's all said and done. And that is despite the fact that, you know, you're talking about a completely newly constructed diamond in time for last year's game. Now, they've had to build that second diamond because the outfield dimensions for the original from the movie, 300 to left, 350 to center, 315 to right. Tiny. Tiny when you get that. I mean, you compare it to Fenway. 310 to left with the monster. 302, but you've got the pesky pole, and it quickly juts back out to about 390 from center field to home plate. So the dimensions for the newly constructed one, much better, at least in terms of conducive to the game, and it showed last night, I really felt, you're looking at in the neighborhood of, say, what Bush Stadium is, 335 to left, 400 to center, 380 to the power alleys. And, of course, all of the non-bells and whistles, such as the manually operated scoreboard. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Monica sure took note of that. At one point, they had the, the camera focused where you could watch the guys rolling the ladder. <laughs> because they were having to climb you had to climb the ladder to hang the numbers right and it you know worked out really neat that's kind of cool though just for the novelty of that is fun and i think that that's why they're not going back next year is that now you will have had it two consecutive years you don't want to have it become too much of a Whole expectation right. you know it used to be that the in conjunction with the Hall of Fame weekend, there would be a game at the stadium in Cooperstown. The problem became uh, dealing with what the schedules are, first and foremost, but that's also a stadium that is small in comparison to 
major league dimensions. And so it became a launching pad. And so Major League Baseball backed off of holding that game there each year. And, you know, it also had, in all honesty, it didn't have a lot of luster. It was a throwaway day in the middle of the season. You might see the the roster get juggled, and so it might be a bunch of guys from AAA that would be on the roster and playing in that game while half the team was sitting, say, in New York City preparing for the game the next day against the Yankees. Well, that takes the luster off of it at the Hall of Fame, too. And you don't want that to happen. You want it to be a good game. But, you know, when we see these things and they become an annual thing, an annual tradition, they don't hold their value all that well. One of the items that is being talked about, and I love the idea, and they are just getting started at redoing the park. And it's the park in Newark where um, I believe it was the Homestead Grays called home. But the, the park has a lot of Negro League heritage to it and has been allowed to really uh, atrophy over time. And... Major League stars are getting behind that, and uh, alums of the game are getting behind that. I saw Harold Reynolds making the pitch today, actually, that he would love to see a Field of Dreams-type game take place there if they get the stadium back into the condition where they can host the game. I think it would be stellar to have one there and would be tremendous as something to recognize that piece of history that is the Negro Leagues and what it meant to baseball in the early part of the 20th century. And, of course, the heritage of Buck O'Neill, who just went into the Hall of Fame, that would be a tremendous spot again to see that take place. It's being mentioned, but there's not going to be a, a case where they uh, – are able to get in there and play truly anytime soon. That's going to be a matter of a few years down the road if they are able to get that field up to standards so that they can get in and play. But it was fun to watch once again last night. And, you know, it, it really is nice when the players are enjoying themselves as much as the fans in a game like that especially, and you can see the joy or hear the joy, the in-game interview with Joey Votto was tremendous, and him telling stories was great. Johnny Bench started off well, but then he got a bit distracted. I love Johnny Bench. I miss seeing him be a part of analysis of games on a regular basis. Uh, I, I still think that he was one of the sharpest guys uh, in terms of analysis over the years, uh, and very understated in it over time. But it was fun to uh, see him last night and, and hear from him last night as, uh, again, that game uh, last evening went the way of the Cubs. They put up the three runs early and never looked back as Drew Smiley pitched well. But it was, again, a fun game to watch just to see the heritage of the game taking place. 
Coming up in hour two, Mitch had the opportunity earlier to sit down with Ashley Hodge of Sikkim 365. We get our preview of the Baylor Bears for the coming football season in the next hour. We'll also hear from K-State offensive line coach Connor Riley coming up. And don't forget, number one song of the day, all on the way in hour two of the game following your local news.